The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to holy crap! Yes, welcome back to canceled too soon. It's been a while since we've done one of these. It's, it's been a long time. Uh, this is the podcast where we review TV shows that lasted one season or less. It was the first podcast we did on this network. That's right. We had this podcast for quite a few years before we added our other podcasts, which were originally separate entities and became the critically acclaimed. Network, uh, and uh, this is a show that's very, very dear to our hearts. We we like it a lot. Uh, the only reason we haven't been able to do it is because it's a time commitment, and yeah. uh, you know, job situations have changed, family situations have changed. Time to watch entire seasons of TV, especially uh, on a weekly basis. On a weekly basis, yes. how, as we were originally doing it, it was just do not. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we had the time, uh, and. Uh, we, we tried to sort of step up our productivity during uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. when we also had time, a lot of time at home. Uh, and yeah, sadly that changed. We haven't been able to do in a while, but we, uh, it was brought to our attention. Yes. A very special thing uh, happened. The, a very special thing happened. Um, one of the most notorious mm. cancel too soon shows surfaced as happens from time to time. Just kind of randomly. And this yeah, so, is... Sometimes they'll show up like yeah. some, some enterprising pirate or a, or archivist, freelance archivist. I think that's what uh, we're well, calling them now. If it's yeah. not available in any other medium, mm. you're a freelance archivist and bless you for your work. Yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll put it online where it can be made available. Yeah. Sometimes it'll show up in an actually sanctioned form like on Tubi or something. Yeah, Without happens. any fanfare. It's like, oh, and there's the series. You can watch it now. Yeah. Uh, and... When this one came up, we we had to put a little time aside. Yeah. This is this is a show that is amongst people who follow failed TV. And yeah, we exist. Oh, as we've always said on this show, failure is way more interesting than success. When we started this show, Cancel Too Soon specifically, uh, we, we, we actually pitched the idea around a little bit. And the kind of the universal reaction we had was, why would anyone be interested in shows that failed? Mm -hmm. They failed, ergo, there is no interest. And I'm like, you do not know where YouTube is going to go in a few (laughs) years because a lot of the stuff I watch is about... Uh, you know, amusement park rides that went to fonts, Mm -hmm. uh, movies that were huge disasters. been forgotten. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's a big, big curiosity, I think. Um, And amongst those of us who are interested in TV's biggest failures, 
one of the biggest failures ever, has largely been unavailable. It is a show that was so unpopular. And listen, we have covered TV shows that were canceled after one episode before. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But in the U.S., I don't think any show was ever canceled faster than Turn On. Hi, boys and girls. It's time to turn on. Tonight, we invite you to turn on with our guest, Tim Conway. Plus, Bonnie Bolin, Hamilton Camp, Teresa Graves, Ken Greenwald, Maxine Green, Chuck McCann, Maura McGivney, Carlos Montega, Cecile Azorio, Bob Statz, and Mel Stewart. Turn On is brought to you by Buffer. Goes to work in half the time of simple aspirin. Half the time. That's buffering time. This show was canceled after about 10 minutes. It was canceled part way through its first episode. In the middle of the commercial break, <laughs> networks, it was interesting. They aired it, it was aired on uh, ABC. Uh, and 1969, it was February 5th, February 5th 1969. 1969. Uh, it was, uh, it's a sketch comedy show and it aired actually in the place of the hit TV soap opera, Peyton Place, mm. which is why at the beginning of the very first episode, special guest Tim Conway says, uh, welcome to Peyton Replace. Because they've replaced Peyton Place. Yeah, without context, that's just mm. a weird joke. Um, but, uh. Yeah, it's a sketch comedy series, and the creators of Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, hugely popular sketch comedy series. Right. And you've have you seen Laugh-In? I have seen Laugh-In. Okay, yeah. La- Laugh-In, um, it's not really referred to a lot much by people younger than us. I don't think no. it's really widely available. It's been a while since it's been like um, in, in reruns, yeah, in such it, a way that people would actually it, seek uh, it out and find it accidentally. Uh, it's a hilarious show. A lot oh, yeah. of it really holds up. Uh, a lot, a, a lot, a lot of, of it's really dated, but it's really... Energetic and wacky. Um, and a lot of the great, really punchy, you know, mm. get a good laugh out of a two joke, of a two line joke. Uh, yeah. Comedians uh, were writing for it and acting in it, and it's just one great yeah. gag after another, and some groaners. Oh, but absolutely. those are fun yeah, too. A lot of puns. Um, yeah. Well, and they knew they were giving groaners. Yeah. They knew when they were sort of whipping out the tired old, old borscht belt shtick. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite gigs is Ruth Buzzy, who's on Laugh-In, mm. uh, has this recurring character. She's like this old biddy on a, a yeah. park bench. And uh, I think it might have been... Uh, I forgot who played the like the the dirty old man in the hat. Um, but like he saunters up to her and sits down on the bench. And she's like very prudish and wants to back off from him. Do you believe in the hereafter, he says. She says, I do. Then you know what I'm here after. And she hits him with her purse. Yeah. Um, it's, and that. Yeah. And that's the whole sketch. And they cut to yeah. something else. Um, teenage uh, Goldie Hawn was on the show. They got uh, all kinds of famous people. Tons of celebrity uh, guests. Yeah. yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. was uh, kind of a regular on the show. Um, it's the first place you might have seen Tiny Tim perform. Ooh. And uh, yeah, at the end of the show, they had like a joke wall. People stick their heads out of a wall. A lot of the iconography of laughing is sort of leaked into culture, even if people aren't watching it anymore. Uh, And there's this entire generation of that kind of sketch comedy show that uh, is really not even talked about. Even the popular shows aren't that 
aren't talked about that much anymore. Generally not. I think a lot of Saturday people... Night Live is like a child of that. Generation. Yeah, I think I think Laugh-In was big enough and it had enough big people in it that I think people are generally kind of familiar with at least the the name. Mm. You probably heard the words Laugh-In. You, you've seen like um the the 60s lady with the bob haircut in yeah. in the two-piece swimsuit painted with like flowers doing the mm. go-go. Yeah. That's from Laugh-In. That was Goldie Hawn. Yeah, exactly. Um Sorry, that show was a huge smash hit, and uh, the producer, George Slatter, uh, was basically uh, uh, told by ABC, we want in on this laugh-in shtick. Hmm. We want you to make a laugh-in for us. We want you to really push the edges. You know, laugh-in has a lot of body humor. We want you to go nuts. And they kind of gave him carte blanche, hmm. and... He ran with it, and he created a show <laughs> that was so strange, in some respects ahead of its time, in some respects very much of its time, and so, in in some cases, still in poor taste. Some mm. of the jokes are very, very poor taste. And, but pointedly so. Oh, like, they're they're clearly yeah. doing it on purpose, but... Whether or not that's an excuse, we'll mm. leave to you, and we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, but it was so out there that several affiliates of the network basically called, or in some cases telegrammed, to say, we're not airing the rest of the show. Mm. There's a story that uh, one of the affiliates had on the, retainer. The, a lot of these are apocryphal. I we know. don't know how true some of these stories but these are. are fun. This is just part of the legend this is part of, the of legend. Turn On. One of the legends of Turn On is that one of the networks had a on retainer, uh, an organ player, just in case everything collapsed mm. and we needed to put something on. He had never actually been used until <laughs> Turn On <laughs> happened. They turned the show off. After about 10 minutes, they aired a black screen with this person playing organ music. Hmm. No explanation. <laughs> Which it weirdly would have been in keeping with the tone of the show, so yeah. people might have been watching anyway. Uh, it started airing uh, in the United States on the East Coast, mm -hmm. and you know when the West Coast heard those numbers coming in, yeah, a lot of people uh, word, word was that a lot of the West Coast uh, stations just didn't show it. Yeah, uh, There were some uh, legends about how letters and telegraphs were coming in that night from viewers about how body and raunchy and how, it was. How offended and, they were. And everybody was so offended that they had to take it off the air. I don't think that stuff is... I don't think, like, response could possibly be that fast. Yeah, uh, the, the the based on what little I've been able to uh, ascertain about it, they received a few hundred letters. But apparently they received, like, even more complaints... When they interrupted, like, the movie of the week for Nixon giving a presidential address. Yeah. So, but it's possible that the the fact that the affiliates were so angry, not even necessarily the audience, mm -hmm. the affiliates didn't want to run it. And that's a, something we don't really think of today as, yeah. as something that we seriously have to consider. You know, like, well, like, you know... Uh, Hey, we just put out a new Law and Order. Yeah, but they're the affiliates in in Florida don't mm. like that it's Law and Order Los Angeles. We'll cancel it. Cancel it. We, yeah. we that, that's not really a thing. Yeah, lo local stations isn't really a thing, especially in yeah. the age of streaming. And, but, and, uh, and having the option not to run primetime shows yeah. is pretty. It, it's something you really hear about. Yeah, so like a, a Futurama gag where uh, yeah. Fry's delivering a pizza. Wow, a real TV station. Well, it's a Fox affiliate. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cute um so the concept of turn on it, it's a sketch it's comedy an, show but it, it's incredibly high concept it's incredibly high. It, it, they could have just done a sketch show 
Mm. That's all you needed. That's all they wanted. Just get some comedians together. They got a bunch of comedians together. They got uh, young Albert Brooks was writing for this show. Um, He doesn't appear. He's just one of the writers. No, but and you can some of the lines feel very Albert Brooksy. So Um. it's hard to say. But if I were to guess, there's there's a few. Um, It's got uh, some people in the cast who. Honestly, you probably won't recognize a few. You might. Mm. Uh, character actor Mel Stewart uh, was in this series. Uh, mm. Teresa Graves, who would go on to star in Get Christy Love, uh, which is a trailblazing show in the 1970s about the first black woman who became a police officer in, I think, New York. Um, that was a big deal. Uh, Hamilton Camp is in it. Um, but uh, the gag is, rather than have a master of ceremonies, rather than have a stage and the audience, we remove the audience... We removed the stage. It mm. takes place in a white void. And the show is run by two computer programmers who are basically pulling switches and like plugging mm. in buttons and telling the computer just, hey, write a sketch about sex. And mm. then the computer would come up with... And the sketches mostly like 20 seconds or less. Yeah. Rapid fire. And... Uh... And there's, that's that's AI. It's AI. That's what we're talking about it's, now with AI creating shit. It, it's it, so, yeah. The, the, so the premise of the show is that these computers are taking sort of the trends of the day and the gags of the day uh-huh. and reinterpreting them through its computer brain. So this yeah. is like a media criticism show. Marshall McLuhan would have yeah. loved this. Oh golly, yes. <laughs> Hold on, Marshall and, McLuhan's here. You know nothing of my work. Sorry, Marshall. Sorry, Marshall McLuhan. You know I've read Marshall McLuhan. All right. <laughs> I have to. I'm, I think I'm not, a, I'm whether not or not he'd a, like this, I think he'd find it fascinating. He'd find it fascinating but because it is it is a, a commentary on itself as a piece it, of media. It's a dissection a, of the medium. It's taking out mm. all of the of the pretense mm. that this is welcome to our house. No, this is abstract. Yeah, everything it's, it's you're abstract watching, media, and yeah, the, we the, take the gag, out all of the connective tissue. And so, I, the, a lot of the gags don't land. I oh, think might a be a lot of the gags don't might, land. But I think that might be by design. I think this is like sort of anti-humor yeah. in the same way something like Tim and Eric is anti-humor. Oh yeah, if or, you, or Wonder Shows, or a lot of the Adult Swim stuff. It's I'm, just like absurdism. I've never been a huge fan of Tim and Eric. Mm. I find. Some of their sketches are very, very funny, uh, but there's something that's just like kind of brash about it on purpose, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you like Tim and Eric, you should watch Turn On. You should be aware that certain standards were were different in terms of like where like kind of the Overton window was for like what's okay to make a joke about, mm-hmm. and some of the jokes on the majority of them are a little body but fine. There are a few gay panicky kind of jokes. Mm. Uh, there's some racial humor which doesn't feel very intelligent. Yeah. It's pretty, you know, just kind of in your face. Well, there's there, an there's, Auschwitz joke that, that is that, that's extremely the, the mo- poor taste. It's the most tasteless thing. On oh the my god, is it terrible the, about like, Auschwitz? But uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going to even repeat it. It's no, just a bad no, joke. No, no, it's no. Bad. it's um, Apparently you could. They thought you could put that on on TV, and you couldn't. It was in the second episode that didn't air. <laughs> but uh, you look at a lot of humor from like the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies. This mm-hmm. is you know a big wave of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of a lot of that uh, was part of like the sketch comedy of the show and a lot sure. of humor at the time. Uh, you look at Laughing, and there were a lot mm-hmm. of jokes about it there too. But yeah. Laughing was. Laughing was about kind of like getting high and having fun. It was much more friendly. This is actually this is a abrasive. very. It's an yeah, it's an aggressive show. Uh, it's 
kind of deliberately trying to broadcast like how much it hates the world. Yeah. Like it's really uncomfortable with everything. There, there's a, uh, there's a line I wrote down and, um, uh, why waste time being pessimistic? Tomorrow we'll all be blown up. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the ethos mm. of the whole thing right uh, there. But it's, it's mm. not like mean about it. It's just mm. tons of hopeless about it. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's, under- everyone's just miserable. Uh, Patton Oswald had a bit, uh, oh. in one of his comedy routines about Stella Dora breakfast treats. Oh um, yeah. Uh, in which he talked about how there was this the, commercial, the, the, the TV commercial for Stella Dora breakfast. And treats. he played it up a little bit, but if you watch the original commercial, it's basically about like an, like an older, miserable married couple. Mm. And instead of it being like, hey, honey, what you eating? I'm eating Stella Dora breakfast treats. They're delicious. You can have them any time. They're just mad and yelling at each other. And even the commercial can't pretend that your life is good. Mm. Like, these these won't improve your life, <laughs> but you will eat them. Like, mm. it's just kind of that kind of... Turn On is kind of this weird engine of cynicism mm. uh, in which all, very few of the jokes are uplifting. Mm. Most of them are downright depressing. Yeah. Holy crap. And, and yeah, there's a lot of jokes about just, like, couples falling apart, institutions mm. don't work, yeah. uh, the, the military is failing, just everything is failing Yeah, in, in, in the eyes of Turn On. And again, these, these sketches, like, you're used to seeing Saturday Night Live, well, they'll have, like, two, three, maybe four sketches between commercial breaks, right? Mm. Uh, there's seriously a sketch, I would imagine the average... Length of a sketch. I already, I already guessed this. I mm. said the, they usually max out at twenty. Yeah. The average length of a sketch is about eight seconds. Yeah. Like it's incredibly fast. They and have this one, one joke. Somebody says something straight yeah. to the camera. Uh, there's a couple recurring characters. Yeah. Um, e. Eddie Edwards is the one, like this like guy a, with the slimy hair. He's, he's like a um, he's like a sleazy TV spokesperson who's trying to sell yeah. you things. And uh, and I I bet it's the foot fetish gag. Uh huh. That probably got the show cut. That one of the first gags in the first episode was this guy E. Eddie Edwards, and he was doing like. Uh, yeah, you can join our club on the show. It's like one of the many, like mm. you know, write in. We'll send you a mailer and all that kind of stuff. Except he's. Talking about foot fetishes, and he's talking about it. We'll send you this photos uh, of these celebrities' feet. Yeah, yeah, and 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 honestly, considering like what the internet would do to the popularity of mm. foot fetishism, mm. um, that feels really ahead of its time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now it feels almost quaint. Mm. But uh, uh, yeah, at the time, that was probably really in your face. But I was just going to say, like the general structure of it is people in a white background say some funny and or offensive things, or just do something wacky. And then the camera f- flits to the right or the left across mm. the white screen so they can hide and edit. And then it, they just cut to a close-up of someone's eyes. And then there's a joke when you actually like pull back and reveal their face. And then it flies away again. And well, now there, there's, there's like there's abstract like... computer art. And mm. then there's like a recurring gag where people have like a funny tattoo on their belly button. Mm. Uh, like there's like a belly button yeah, like and there's a, like a hand reaching out of it with a sign that says help me. Something like that. Something like that. But yeah, yeah. it's like a second. It just uh... And the score is constant. It's like this Moog mm. electronic score. Which, which was novel at the time. Very novel, yeah. but it's oppressive. It's really, it's really dissonant. It's yeah. fast. It's not really melodic. It's not really like fun. There's no rim shots. Yeah. It's just... You know what it reminded me of was... It, it, it's, it came out of 
out of a uh, laugh-in and yeah. dove straight into like Godard's Histoire du Cinema. Yeah, like oh, it's, it's just yeah. in, like this weird kind of fast abstract collage of images. Jean Luc Godard, uh, you know, one yeah. of the most famous filmmakers of the French New Wave, did a series of sort of documentary esque films that were these mm. sort of abstract, uh, uh, sort of thoughtful treatises on cinema, and so, uh, almost all of it is done to like the sound of his typewriter, his electric typewriter going. And I found that so annoying. <laughs> when it, we, when it, people, it, it takes a little bit of, uh, of stamina, but people yeah. celebrate that series of films. And I'm like, no, we covered it. On, I, we did. I, too soon. I, we did, I didn't, I didn't go. It was a, it was a separate uh, well, yeah, was, show, but like, yeah, I, um, my, my, uh, my takeaway from Histoire du Cinema hmm. No, I, I, whatever you're saying might be interesting, but you found an incredibly annoying way to say it, and I just tune right the fuck out. And and it was really, uh, really esoteric information. Yeah, very like, repetitive. You, know, like, you would say the same things over and over again. He's going into like the history of Algeria. It's like, <clears throat> I, what, yeah. like you have to know a lot to know what he's, he's even talking about. Yeah, I felt the same way about that. This is more like an artifact. Yeah, some sort of weird window into the cynicism of 1969. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1969, summer of love, right? Mm-hmm. Woodstock, wonderful. Uh, you know, it's, but it was also, I feel like if Laffin was Woodstock, then Turn On is Altamont. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever seen the, yeah, the documentary film, Gimme Shelter, mm-hmm. uh, that's like the dark half of the Woodstock generation where we're going to have a big old concert, but it's not organized well. And the Rolling Stones are there, but like they're at the bottom of a bowl and you can't really see the stage very well. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hire our own security because we can just sort of do that. So they hire Hell's Angels who aren't really like trained in security. They're just no, trained they're, to keep people They're up. not trained in de-escalation, that's for fucking no, sure. No, and, and they actually came with the pool cues that they used to beat people up with. Like you see them carrying these pool cues at Altamont and Mick Jagger's up there on stage saying, Hey, let's just be cool. And everybody's just getting more and more uncomfortable. And the movie ends with somebody getting stabbed on camera, Mm -hmm. like they actually captured on camera. And, uh, the editing of the film itself is part of the movie. So we actually Mm -hmm. get to see Mick Jagger's reaction to the violence. Yeah. Um, that's another vibe I'm getting from Turn On. Yeah. That something just really horrendous is being opened with this. That it wasn't all just sort of fun, hippie, let's yeah. tell jokes. And, no, and it's ha- not hippie. Listen, yeah. 1969, it's a year that more than anything else, probably most famous for the Apollo moon landing. Mm. One of arguably humanity's greatest single technological accomplishment. But Nixon was in the White House... And that's where our heads were at, apparently. Mm-hmm. At least when we were making this show. There's a joke in this show, which, and this is the entirety of the sketch. Uh, hey, what's the difference between uh, new Nixon and old Nixon? New mm-hmm. Nixon is older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's and the keep, whole joke. Keep in mind how long it took to, to get Nixon. Oh, yeah. Like, that whole... Uh, Watergate scandal Took was during, was during the uh, re-election, and he got re-elected. He got re-elected in the middle of that scandal. Uh, that was there was a little later than this, but like yeah, he got re-elected in the middle of the scandal. A lot of people were like, "Oh, he's not. He didn't really do it, or it wasn't so bad." And it, the grav the gravity of it emerged over time. People mm. like are, I know people are upset. Like, why is it taking so long to like get? Trump on trial for all these crimes. It's about as long as it took for Watergate, yeah, give or take. It, this, these things mm. take fucking time. So, 
there's a lot of of cynicism. Well, there's, there's a lot of there's anger. Even a, there's even know? one sketch. It's not even really a sketch, and this yeah. this rings pretty salient. Um, it's Mel Stewart at a desk, and he's on the telephone, and the only thing he yeah. says is, "No, we wouldn't ever elect a white man uh, if just because he's white, even if he's incompetent." That's it. That's the whole joke. That's the whole and it's like, and he just sort of got like, oh right, we, right. Right. There's another joke where they have like a sort of a uh, very stereotypical southern, you know, Mm -hmm. white suit, kind of a boss hog kind of a character. Yeah, yeah. And and he's talking about how, and he's playing a racist. He's playing Mm -hmm. racist in the in the joke, and he's talking about how in the South they uh, did everything they could to fight integration. It's the sixties, Martin Luther mm-hmm. King for Christ's sake. But they did everything that they could to fight integration. They like ran people out of town. They did all they beat people up. And he concludes it with saying, Yep, we did everything we were legally allowed to do. And you're going, Oh shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pointed, it's clear that the intention is there, but man is that sobering. Well, it's sobering. You're watching and TV. This, and then it's like mixed in with these like wacky yeah. like nagging wife jokes, like these old fashioned kind of offensive jokes. Let me let me explain to you what was on the air like the same night <laughs> as this. Okay, this was taking the place of Peyton Place, which is admittedly more of a soap opera. It came right after a sitcom called Here Come the Brides, which is about a bunch of women from Eastern like the Eastern America, like who are like brought to Seattle or or the West Coast in the middle of, like, the gold rush just to be everyone's wives, and here we are making fun of the wacky dudes. Meanwhile, on CBS, that night, the Beverly Hillbillies and Green Acres was on. Turn On stands out! (laughs) It stands out in its construction, it stands out in its pacing, it stands out in its anger and bitterness and it and it's technology as well this yeah, is a technological tech. show um it, it you know we mentioned the moog synthesizer we mentioned the fast uh, uh sort of computer-esque empty white space there's actual sort of computer animation here it's early experimental hmm. computer animation but it's in it's there. like you're kind of like swirling shapes yeah. but that was computer yeah. animation at the uh, time the and animation the, was done by uh, uh i don't know bill, about computer bill animation. Melendez, yeah. yeah bill melendez worked on the show and if that name sounds familiar to you uh he's responsible for pretty much all of the charlie brown uh, specials, Christmas, mm. Halloween, Thanksgiving, uh, and also the the early run of Charlie Brown movies, like A Boy Named Charlie Brown, mm. Snoopy Come Home, Race for Your Life, and Bon Voyage. Uh, that's a hell of a career that guy had. Yeah, and he'd yeah. already done a lot of it. Yeah, and this this was another another gig for him. He did some, yeah. like, linking material. Um, and, and another thing that uh, was really striking, just aesthetically, is they, they kind of would occasionally break the screen off into, like, four panels. Yeah, like, like a we, comic we, strip, yeah. Like, uh, and it was... This must have been, like, a trial of editing, because they had to... Uh, sometimes it's the same actor. Yeah. They'd tell, like, the first line of the gag, mm-hmm. but then they would hold on that one shot. Yeah, it wasn't freeze frame. Would, the actors just stay in there. It was there. just staying there, and they'd push that up into the corner, and then they'd show the second frame, mm-hmm. and it's the same actor... So, in the same costume, mm-hmm. saying the second part of the ad while well, the first one's still up there in the corner running in real time. So they had to do four takes of the same sketch and mm-hmm. then edit them all together on the screen. And the, the timing had time. to be just right. Hmm. It's it, it's it's really complicated. I imagine that the white background, this negative space, 
that it takes place in made shooting a lot easier. That's true. Because they don't, they don't have to worry about match cutting or anything. You can kind of just, I came up with a joke, boom, run to the set, hmm. shoot the joke. Because, again, these there's so much material. Every new sketch has different costumes. There's interstitial material with people dancing and shit. It's a lot of material for a half-hour show that theoretically you're trying to do every week. It, it must be exhausting to put together. Hmm. I can only imagine. Um, yeah. And um, another show that did that same shtick, mm-hmm. uh, co- a sketch comedy show yeah. that uh, shot against a, a completely white background with no sets, yeah. uh, was done again. Uh, in 1994, mm. and this was on Comedy Central, and this is a sketch show nobody remembers. It was called Limbo Land. Um, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, and the joke I think of Limbo Land was it took place in this white, empty space, and it was all quick sketches. Mm-hmm. And the idea was you were in purgatory, mm. like jokes, like these are remnants of jokes that sort of are floating up into the afterlife, catching you on the way you know, into the beyond. Yeah. So there were occasion- occasionally jokes that were about death. Like there was the stand-up comedian who was an animated skeleton uh, and he sp- talked really mm. quick, but you know, technology was good enough that he could actually, you know, move his jaw accurately. Yeah. Um, and you know, the jokes were really quick, like a uh, rock concert. Are you ready to rock? He holds his mic out to the audience and all in unison, they say, not yet. Give us five more minutes. Cut, you know. Yeah, cute joke. I actually, rem- actually, I th- yes, I actually remember that now. Okay, that was that was from Limbo Land. There was from a similar. There was a similar joke on the critic once, where someone's like, "Are you ready to rock?" Oh yeah, and well, like, one guy's like, "Not yet." Jimmy's tying his shoe. Okay. Are you ready to rock? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, now I'm ready. The the first guest on Turn On of there were two. The first guest, well, three technically. The first guest was Tim Conway. Uh, and um, Tim Conway, a lovable actor, often the buffoon. He's Doing, actually an incredibly funny actor. He is. But he'll, he'll, he's, he's often he's often in bad things. He's well, often in very bad he, movies. Well, and shows, he's, but, you look up his yeah. filmography, and he was constantly working. Like he'll just yeah. You show up at Tim Conway's house, hey, you want to be in a movie? He's like, yeah, let me get my shoes on. Like he'll he'll be there. Yeah. Uh, as such, he, he wasn't very discerning. Um, we uh, did a movie uh, that he was in. We covered one on a podcast. Oh, was um, that the, the the fastest world's greatest athlete? World's greatest athlete. That was yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, where he played like the sidekick to this coach who was uh, trying to r- recruit. Um, mm. I think it was a young man from Africa. It was it was uh, Jan Michael Vincent. He'd been raised in Africa yeah. and he'd been like and he and, and got was, like superpowers like I don't Tarzan. Think it, was a, I think it was a country. I think it was just the continent of Africa. Basically, yeah. yeah we did this for a, for a short lived. Well, it was actually wasn't that short. I think we did it for like a long time actually. But it's not we on Disney a, Plus. We had a yeah. show on on our Patreon called Not on Disney Plus. It's all there. If you search for it, you can find it. If you're uh, if you're a patron, where we talked about the various Disney movies that aren't on Disney Plus for one reason or another, and we found some gems. We well, found some, a few. Some, some a, were okay. Some were, were kind of neat. Um, and but we we ended up stopping the show because we realized that the answer for why most of those things weren't on Disney Plus is because they're really racist. Like yeah, a lot was, of them that was, are. That was largely the, the, one of, of the main reasons. Really well, it either was was really racist or was really bad, often both. Uh, yeah. So it, it became it became basically a, 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 not a very interesting investigation after a while. No, we kind just of came to the conclusion it was more torture for us than it was entertaining for anyone else. Uh, but um, yeah. So anyway, Tim Conway, uh, man of a million jokes. 
Mm. Wonderful comedian, very talented. Look, look up the the bit where Tim Conway uh, is going to give anesthesia to Harvey Corman. I think it's on the Carol Burnett show. <laughs> okay, and he keeps on accidentally jabbing himself. That is like some of, it's like some of the best physical mm. comedy this side of Buster Keaton. Like he is great. Yeah, uh, Tim Conway is hilarious, but because of the demands of this show uh-huh. and how bitter it's supposed to be, and I think how kind of pointedly unfunny it's supposed to be. Uh-huh. He's playing really He's... against type in a lot of ways yeah. here. There's one of the first jokes, and this is, um, I wrote down some of the jokes that actually made me laugh. And again, there's so many. The ratio was actually quite low, but I did laugh a fair amount. There are some, like, legit good There's some good jokes yeah. in here. Some of them are, are groaners, but they're still good. Um, but there was one, I one of the first ones I wrote down was, uh, Tim Con- was the Tim Connolly sketch. And um, it's one of those ones with the various panels. And uh, it's a, a, a woman asking a guy, you know, you're 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 barely scraping by. You're making ends meet. Uh, wh- wh- you're working class. And he's like, hey, f- screw you. I'm not working class. I'm middle class. <laughs> and she says, well, then who's the working class? The unemployed. <laughs> the people who aren't working. And you know what? That's an attitude that mm-hmm. still people kind of have. Like this idea that like... Whatever my economic situation in, it's very important to my ego, to my sense of of just pride uh, that I not be on the lowest rung. There must be someone someone lower than me. And uh, a a lot of people have said that's uh, uh, a theory behind racism, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it is. Doesn't matter how badly I'm getting fucked over if there's an entire race of people that I can I I, I can feel publicly allowed to be mean to. Yeah. Yeah. if there are classes of people and races that I can eschew and be cruel to, yeah. then I that makes me okay. That makes yeah. me better. That's white supremacy, that's, isn't it? That's a um, very vile thing, yeah. and, it's, and it works economically as well. And I'm watching it, and I'm just like, wow, this show isn't going to pull any fucking punches, is it? And yeah, that was really, really dark. Some of them were just... Uh, here, here's what I thought was genuinely hilarious. And it, it starts off as one joke. And I, I wonder if the second half of the sketch was ad-libbed, because usually they're just one joke and they're out. Mm. It's uh, a police officer, and he's, like, going through some evidence. And he tells another police officer, do you want to take home some of this pornographic literature? <laughs> and the guy says, no, I don't even have a pornograph, which is admittedly a pretty funny play on words. Yeah. And then the guy says, oh, pity. And then the other cop leaves. And then he He's starts eating. eating the porn. He rips up the magazine. And he starts shoving his mouth. And then he keeps going like, oh, it's so good. And the camera just lingers on it. It's so surreal. It's more Monty Python than anything else. Th- that it's a very wh- strange joke. Eating the porn is a very Monty Python yeah. thing. And, and there's even that uh, wonderful, uh, the, the Tudor police... Like, they're dressed in Tudor clothing and, yeah. and dressed that way. That's when they infiltrate the smut ring. Yeah. It's like, yes, I'm here to here to crack down. I know I'm just a little odd. Yes, oh yes, you're Sir Philip Sidney from Tudor times. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they don't take him seriously because they think he's this historical figure. It's yeah. very Monty Python. Very weird. Um, let's see here. Th- this was a weird one, and I can imagine people being offended by this in the 1960s, where uh, they were talking about how Moses... Famously, according to the Bible, uh, encountered a burning bush. And then it cut to Smokey the Bear saying, Only thou canst preventeth the forest fires. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's... A, that's barely a joke. And B, you somehow managed to be sacrilegious while barely making a joke. That's, that's kind of impressive, actually. 
There's a really abstract one I thought was kind of neat where um, it was it was the panels again, but it was pitch darkness. They did that thing you do in cartoons where it's dark, but someone opens their eyes and you can see their eyes. Yeah. The Simpsons made a classic joke about that where uh, Marge was really worried about something. Homer turned off the light so he can go to bed and you could see her eyes. And it's like, oh, Marge is worried. And then Homer said, Marge, could you close your eyes? I'm trying to sleep. Right, <laughs> she closed cute. her eyes. That's better. Um, well, joked like that on uh, on Tiny Toons once. Yeah, it's like we're trapped in this cave. Yeah, let's just stay here. Think of the savings on animation. <laughs> and then they, they light a match, and they're just eyeballs for a second. It's like, uh, yeah. well, in, in this one, it's uh, it's it's a, a man's eyes in the darkness, and a woman's eyes are very you know hmm. very feminized. And um, he says, "Hey, darling, come over here." Yes, yes, darling. Uh, let's try something different. And then in the next panel, their eyes are all like completely jumbled up together <laughs> in a way that makes no sense whatsoever. And she just says, "How's this?" And it's like, unless Cronenberg was involved, <laughs> there's no actual explanation for it. And I admittedly thought that was a pretty funny gag. Mm. Um, yeah, there, there are a few. Uh, mm. Yeah, like we said, there's, a, there's a couple that land in just classic straight up mm-hmm. humor kind of a way yeah um there's uh one where uh, a woman says oh look at me i just got hired as the fat lady at the sideshow but she uh, is actually a very she's, skinny she's person. real thin and uh and the, the woman she's talking to says how, how did you get a how did you get that job and the punchline is i lied about my age yeah little little misdirect there yeah like, the, good classic joke yeah it's, um, yeah it's kind of deconstructing the mm-hmm. concept of the joke and it, it, it works um, one of the, the some things were clearly topical. There's a series of jokes about plane hijackings, which wouldn't fly today. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> that was an accident. Today, I swear yeah. to God. Um, but uh, one of the jokes that they make quite a few gags about, and frankly, I thought um, I, I realized it was topical at the time, mm. and I'm sure a lot of men in the writers' room. A lot of really shitty jokes about the, about the birth control pills. Well, they were new at the time. They were new. It was, it was yeah. yeah uh, and in fact, um, and they were super controversial. The idea yeah. that a woman could take a birth control pill mm-hmm. and uh, be in control of her own sexual agency yeah. had people up in arms. A lot, a lot, a lot of mo- sexist men. men. Yeah, yeah, sexist men were up in arms. Like, wait mm-hmm. a minute. How can we control women if yeah. they have sexual agency? And the point yeah. is, they can have sexual agency. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, the... Uh, I remember seeing some, uh, like in school, they showed us uh, news reports from the time, from like the 1960s, yeah. of like the birth control pill. And it was like, uh, it was like, they filmed it like a snuff film. Yeah. Like everything was really black and white and gritty. It's like, and here, here's Maria, and she got a, herself a birth control pill. Yeah, it's like reefer and, madness and, 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 and tone, and, yeah. It like, like shows her like in an alleyway, like popping a birth control yeah. pill, and she, this controls her hormones, and she won't get pregnant. It's like, yeah, like one of the jokes, yeah. I'm not going to repeat some of the jokes because they're just in very, very poor taste. But yeah, uh, some, but, <laughs> some of them are really awful. Some of them are really awful. I will allude to them, but I will not repeat mm-hmm. them, even just for the purpose of, you can watch these, they're on mm-hmm. YouTube for now. We'll see how it goes. Um, but... Uh, one of the jokes was it was just a, a vending machine. It had a whole bunch of like candy bars and things. And one of the items available was just a big box that said the pill. Mm. And a woman put like a quarter in or whatever and tried to get the pill, but the pill wouldn't come out. And then she started getting like weirdly desperate. Not like, oh, darn, I didn't get my thing. It's like, no, she's like fighting it, like desperately trying to get it. And I'm like... That that's not funny. Mm-hmm. That's a very dire commentary, actually, about how 
desperate people have been to actually have power over their own bodies mm. in a culture and society that did not let them. Yeah. This is still like we're talking about an era in which like doctors were allowed to lie to women if their husbands said to. Yeah, yeah. like you could still like commit mm. your wife to a mental institution. If she was inconvenient to you, yeah, and that's it. You didn't have that actually a good there's reason. A, there's a it, it's, it's so not, around that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a great movie, but there's a movie that came out a couple of years ago called The Mountain, which ah, was about yeah. Uh, yeah this phenomenon of uh, giving lobotomies to women in institutions mm-hmm. uh, for things like uh, hysteria. Or, yeah. uh, which is a made up fucking thing. It, it's no, it's made up. It, yeah. And if if a, a husband was impatient with a wife, or if a woman was just being driven completely insane by the fucking patriarchy, the men had every right to simply like kill them, essentially, like More put, or less. Put, put them in an institution and have somebody stab and, them in the brain. Yeah, and it's because they're not behaving themselves. Yeah, that that's the world that, yeah. that is was really close to something like Turn On. Turn On was aware of that. Yeah, and they're. Sometimes kind of some, commenting on it. Sometimes it feels like the comment though is coming from a place of sympathy and forward progressing. Like mm. it, they're 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 cynical about it, mm. but they're the it's in the right place. Like they their sympathy is in the right place, even though so, they think everyone's really screwed. But some some but some of them don't. They're, though. They're, Sometimes they're, they're just it's it's such no. a bitter show though. They're saying that there's no solution to this, right? So they're just going to roll with the sexist jokes occasionally. Yeah, and and to be honest here, the sexism is. Again, aside from the one hmm. World War II joke, which, again, just unbelievably poor taste. Um, most of, A lot of the jokes are basically, like, just sex jokes. Hmm. Which, being, uh, which being is horny, having sex. The kind yeah. of thing you could do on Friends, for the most part. You know, hmm. like, you could just talk a, about r- sex. Ribbled at the time, but yeah, yeah certainly. pretty tame by today's standards. Yeah, but, like, seriously, whenever they tried to get topical about real issues, huge crapshoot mm. in terms of whether it was, oh, a little ahead of your time on that one, or, oh, that's that's really bitter. Yeah, it was a really, it was an even harder issue back then. And then, no, that's not how you tell that joke. And no, you do not tell a joke about that. That one's not funny. Uh, the, 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 the dial is all over the place. Yeah, and... and- I'm trying to picture what the writer's room looks like for a show like I Toronto. imagine it's, it's a big white room. It's Yeah, probably a big white Okay, big white room. Albert Brooks, like 19-year-old Albert Brooks, however yeah. old he was, and uh, all, all these other dudes are yeah. sort of waiting around in this room, and they're just sort of clearly sick of everything. Mm-hmm. They're sick of the way comedy is run. They're sick of the way jokes are constructed. Yeah. And they're not necessarily trying to come up with something, like, really revolutionary. No. You hear stories of certain co- sketch comedy shows where they really are, are trying pointedly yeah. to change the language of comedy. Monty Python did that. Yeah. They were saying they actually had like a mandate. We're not going to have any punchlines. We're yeah. just going to sort of let our minds wander, have these really sort of ch- strange gags about British TV and British society. And we're just going to let it spew out unfettered. And it's going to be silly. And it's still remembered to this day. I'm not sure if 12-year-olds these days are still watching reruns of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Mm-hmm. I would hope they would. They're really funny. I thought they, and a uh, lot of them hold up. Some of them don't. But like, that's, and that's most, a, of, most of it holds up. I, I've, I've watched it recently. I, there's, uh, um, there's a... The thing there's with a, Monty there's Python's... a lot of queer jokes with, that have don't hold up. No, that's true. Which but is like, odd because Graham Chapman was gay. But you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Monty Python... That we When we think of Monty Python, we often think of the movies. 
mm-hmm. which are very tight, very tightly constructed. They joke super, a minute. Super scripted. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. The shows, they're the occasional show, which is just hilarious from beginning to end. There's a lot of sequences in Monty Python as a TV show, which are just, at best, droll for very long periods <laughs> well, like, of time. I, I'm fond of the cycling tour episode, but yeah. I know a lot of people aren't. And a lot of people hate the, the Mr. Neutron episode. Yeah. I, I like it when they got a little weird, even weirder, yeah. I guess I should say, and later in the show. Point is, they were really trying to do that. Like, that was their point. They had a mm. thesis. Uh, you yeah. talk to the guys who founded The State in the 90s. Yeah. They felt like, we're going to be the new generation, man. We're going to do something really, really striking and new and original. It's going to take mm. the world by storm and the state is still really well remembered all of the members of the state have gone on to do big important really successful things yeah uh i get the sense that the people who did turn on didn't give a care well they they were not trying to move the language forward on comedy they were trying to move the language forward on media which was different it's a different idea that they're trying to advance well I, I they're think, trying to rip things apart not yeah. build something new well it, it turns out that uh uh george slatter uh who was one of the main producers behind it also uh uh other people obviously were involved but uh, again he was coming off of laughing and he's quoted uh, as saying uh because they were abc gave him basically a blank check laughing so successful give us something even better he said, I could do anything, and the arrogance of power took over. I'm cocky now. And he said this in 2010. Uh-huh. But 40 years ago, with a 50 share, <laughs> forget about it. And so they were really, they were trying to be a bit more avant-garde. And he mm-hmm. said, quote, the whole idea was to arrest the viewer's attention without letting them be comfortable in a place. Mm-hmm. And I think people weren't ready for that. No, That's not to say the turn not. on was a great show. It's really, really, really hit and miss. I argue it's mostly miss. But the concept and the presentation. Here's something that's avant garde even for today that they did. Mm. The credits, which normally would oh, be yes. <laughs> at the end of the show, interspersed throughout the entire show. Mm. You'd be watching a sketch, and then all of a sudden, there'd be a quick title card about who did the costume designing, and then we'd go on to another, like, five minutes of sketches, and then mm. there'd be another title card. And it wouldn't be necessarily in between the sketches. Sometimes they just superimpose it right over the sketch. Yeah. So the show could just begin and end. There's a... Robert Culp... uh, hosted the uh, the second episode uh, with his then wife uh, France Nguyen. Mm. Uh, he's not as funny as Tim Conway. He's he's professional though. He is professional. He, he's he, he's he game. Act, he acted every single bit. And, he's uh, game. And, and I think for that. some of the better moments come from him. Yeah. There's a bit where um, he's working at a rent a car uh, office. Okay, this this and, is actually pretty funny. And Bonnie and Clyde come in, yeah. and, and it's, and it's and Mavis, and they they were Mavis, it's a real... not Avis, it's Mavis. Yeah, but, but it's uh, yeah, it's Avis. Uh, it's Avis yeah. and uh, Bonnie and Clyde come in and they're and like, "We need, we need a car fast." Mm. And the guy's like, "Okay, well here, here's a key. Go, go to the lot. Here, give me that gun. I'll hold them off for you." And then he starts shooting off screen. And then he looks at the camera and says, "We do try harder," <laughs> which was the Avis yeah. uh, slogan at the time. Which is we, we, a pretty Avis, good joke. We try harder. That's um, a pretty good joke. And uh, he and France Nguyen have a, a really uh, funny bit at right at the end of the episode where he's uh, sitting in front of this uh, television yeah. he's next to a lamp and he's there for a, sec- for a few and seconds he's, and he's there in a sweater and he's just Robert Culp and, and he's just, just kind looking, of, at, the looking at the TV like it's <laughs> like pointing at the screen oh <laughs> it's funny and France Nguyen comes in behind him he's like oh Bob it's nine o'clock uh huh 
you want to turn the TV on? Oh yeah, you're right. And he turns it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny joke. That's a good and yeah. but he he's a professional. He's an actor. Yeah. He's acting these bits, so he sells it pretty well. Tim yeah. Conway was just trying to be like roll with the absurdity of it. Yeah. Uh, another weirdly weird kind of subversive bit was um, the second episode, which again didn't air. Uh. It ends with introducing Robert Culp and Franz Nien as the hosts. That's the end. <laughs> That's the very and, last thing and, before and the show they, ends. And they transpose their voices. Yeah. They so, lip sync each other's readings. Yeah. Which is which is very adult swim. Yeah, yeah. I, I could I could see this is a 30-minute program. Uh-huh. Uh, the versions we you can find on YouTube have the ads still in them, mm-hmm. which is really jarring because the ads from the 1969 are so odd that it folds right into the show in, in a lot of ways. There's one You're not sure if like, they're sending up a, a product or if that's the actual product. There's one that's for like a deodorant and the guy's like, you know, oh, uh, Martha, I went down to the south and uh, I forgot my deodorant. Oh, you damp Yankee. Cute. But like, that's the kind of joke you would have been one in of, the show. Well, like, one of the band roll-on ads had a uh, young Madeline Kahn. That's right. <laughs> Before she was really bad, it was, when it, Blazing Saddles came out in like 1973. 74. So she was not someone people would recognize yet. It's really weird. Not, yeah, not necessarily. Like yeah. she, she, had, she was working already at that point. Yeah. Was, was she on TV before she was in movies? Uh, I don't know her, her first gigs. I'm going to yeah, look this up. She was up. pretty young when she started up, though. Yeah. Um, Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look it up. We have many, many years of, of Madeline Kahn to, yeah. to sort not of. Not enough, back sadly, on. but. Uh, there you go. Uh, uh, let's see here. Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn doesn't have a film or television credit except for a short film in the 60s uh, until What's Up Doc in 1972. So this is like solid three years before people really knew Madeline Kahn. Before she was anybody. So yeah, I can see a commercial with Madeline Kahn. That's not part of the show. She's just sort of in in, in one of the ads. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say about those ads. Uh, You were talking, it was the ads. You were talking about Robert Culp. Mm. Uh, Lost my train of thought. We did. I apologize for that. No, it's fine. Um, uh, let me look at my look at my notes here. Um, a line I felt was if there's any line, and again, for all I know, this is wrong. If there's any line in this show that I, if you ask me, put five bucks down, did Albert Brooks write this line? Mm. I'm pretty sure it's this one. I feel great, but it's probably psychosomatic. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like that a, sounds a, like an Albert Brooks, Brooks line. Oh, very, I, very I remember much what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, you take the commercials out, you still got you know a mm. good. 26 to 28 minutes worth yeah, of programming. Yeah, there's only a few commercials. Um, I could see, like, and it starts to wear on you after a while oh, because because of that impressive. droning computer noise yeah. and the, the quick cutting. It's just really discomforting. Like, you, you start to sweat after a while. And I feel like 15 minutes of that in, like, at 11.30 p.m. on Adult Swim, mm-hmm. it might play, and, and the audience is high as fuck. Yeah. Like, that might play. Mm-hmm. At 30 minutes, it's it's really oppressive. Yeah, that's how so, I feel about a lot of stuff on Adult Swim. Like, I can yeah. handle... Like, Aqua, 15, Teen, Aqua yeah. Teen Hunger Force, 15 minutes is the sweet spot. Yeah, if you ever... I've tried... I sat through that movie in a theater, and my brain just turned <laughs> off after about 20. I would, my, after 20, it's just like, they're not gonna pace this, no, are they? <laughs> oh my god, what are they doing to us? Yeah. Holy shit! Miserable. Yeah. Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters is pretty I'm, wild and that came uh, out when I was like in my early 20s or something and like I'm, I'm even then I'm like I'm too old for this much sugar I can't handle this much hyperactivity man I, oh god 
But yeah, Adult Swim made this kind of like weird, abstract, kind of rapid fire, often retro uh, yeah, well, uh, gags. They made it, it was between the episodes. They would have a lot of this stuff. Yeah, you know, well, it was a whole oh, evening of programming, basically. And I feel like this mm-hmm. could have been. I, occasionally, Adult Swim would rescue like an old show and air it just for fun. Like we another show we covered, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Yeah, it was and... such a weird 1980s. It, it feels like a joke show. But they would air it on Adult Swim, unironically. Mm. Um, if they'd done that with these two episodes, people would be like, the fuck did we just watch? And I'd probably uh, yeah. be interested. I feel, I feel like uh, both Comedy Central and Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. uh, like in the late 90s, yeah. were really kind of trying to push into that territory. There was a lot of kind of deconstructionist humor going on. Yeah. Um, I still maintain that one of the finest examples of all of this was Space Ghost Coast to Coast, oh, where yeah. they where they took uh, the character of Space Ghost, this old Hanna Barbera superhero character, yeah, very serious, the, heroic, haha uh, kind of guy, and, and terrible cartoons, not very like, good, not not very no, good, no. Uh, and yes, yeah, strange ghost flies around in a spaceship, fights aliens, mm-hmm. has teen sidekicks, and yeah. a monkey. Um, stupid it's a stupid it's, it's yeah and they so they decided to sort of cull this character up from the bottom of the barrel and give him make him the host of a uh, late night talk show yeah basically his his career as a superhero ended and like a lot of people in the entertainment industry he just sort of stuck around and eventually mm-hmm. got a variety show or something so yeah. here's space ghost he's not very intelligent two of his villains mm-hmm. are now working for him one of them is his producer one of them runs a band and he interviews and they got real celebrities, uh-huh. good celebrities too, like like notable big stars. Yeah, they got like Bjork and, and uh, uh, but, you know, and occasionally just like people who are like they're they're fun, but you could get them like Judy Tenuta or whatever. But, but, but like, like Matt Groening was on the show, yeah, yeah like, like real celebrities, and they would interview them like in like against like a black backdrop, <laughs> kind of. Well, they would they would in real life they would interview them, yeah. But then once the interview was done, they had carte blanche to re-edit that interview. Hmm. Into absolute absurdity. So you could answer a question in the room, and then Space Ghost would ask a completely different question to get you to give that answer. Mm. They would usually make one of the celebrities like antagonistic to Space Ghost, even if they weren't. Although you they could... decided that Bjork was Space Ghost's wife, and she was but, trying well, to call him. Yeah, <laughs> and, she, um, and he was like, "Oh, why did I get?" Married? I remember that they had Ashley Judd, and this was like the oh, late nineties, yeah. so she was like one of the biggest movie stars in oh, the world at the time. Yeah. And uh, they had her as like, and later on in the show, we'll have Ashley Judd. It's like a fifteen minute program. Later on in the show, we'll have Ashley Judd. Like ten minutes have passed. Oh, well, I haven't see seen her, her like on a TV, like and, waiting and, to go on. And, no, and, and they cut to her finally, and the only thing she says, "I can bake really good chocolate pies." credits yeah that's the end of the show we like, got ashley judd for this uh, there's sublime art in that it really is. and i feel like we're a generation removed from something like turn on to appreciate truly appreciate mm-hmm. just how how striking and caustic and strange this was yeah it's all it's still striking and caustic and strange. No, it's still offensive it's still, some of it. it's still offensive it's yeah. still hard to watch yeah. Uh, but I feel like if we were mixed up in the media at the time mm-hmm. and we're consuming all of the things that were going on, Star Trek was playing, Batman was playing, yeah. the Avengers, like these kind of, the monkeys was on the air. The, mon- these, the monkeys these... were going to be in the second episode. Were they really? Alleg- apparently, according to some of the bit I've looked up, I mean, it's hard oh, to verify wow, some of yeah. this, but allegedly they were going to have a bit or maybe it even filmed a bit for the mm. second episode. It just, you know, they, they stopped yeah, making it. If you know anything about the monkeys, though, you saw them kind of dissipating after a while. Yeah. The, their show started, you know, really light and funny. It's a hard day's night, the series kind of. Uh, and by the end of the series, they're like 
commenting on their place as media icons, and then you fast forward to the movie Head. Oh yeah, and it's Head yeah. feels like of a piece with Turn On. Yeah, yeah. The, the the monkeys that made Head would have totally been in Turn On. I mm. totally get it. Um, so th- th- this was a time when things just felt like they were falling apart. Yeah. And I, that's why I can make the comparison to Space Ghost. I feel like in the late 90s, it felt like media wasn't holding together anymore. Yeah. We were turning to o- other avenues to get our entertainment, like independent cinema and uh, you know, all of these kind of deconstructionist humor was really in vogue. Uh, uh, it... <laughs> Sorry, just but then you get you get yeah. an and that continued throughout like a lot of the 1970s. It wasn't until the late 70s when uh, pop science fiction became popular, yeah, that things started to calcify around commercial entertainment. Yeah, it again. started to contract a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, speaking of all this stuff being ahead of its time, there actually is a funny joke in the second episode where it's like people are dressed in like Renaissance paint, Renaissance uh, garb. And uh, a guy is handing a painting to like a king or a pope or something. And it's a oh, painting yeah. of a Campbell soup can. And the pope says, oh, I'm sorry, Senor Campbell. I'm afraid you're just too ahead of your time. Good. Good. Funny. In, in I a left. show that is ahead of its time. I genuinely itself. left. I genuinely uh, yeah. left. I'm trying to think I, if there's I anything I feel else. like I would have dug this if I had seen this as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, just not because it's funny just because of its attitude it's very strange yeah just because of its strangeness and its daring i would have tuned mm-hmm. in to see something like this uh a few other bits of trivia here um this one's not really trivia but it amused me i was looking up uh george ladder on various you know forms of research and if you look at his wikipedia page and people who make movies tv theater whatever uh they typically have a section on their page that's just a list of their credits if they do a mm-hmm. lot they might have a separate page but the credit is usually just Name of movie, year it came out, uh, or if it's a TV show, the years it ran, what network it was on. Uh, but e- even though it's usually just very dry, simple information, when it gets to George Slatter's credit of Turn On, it adds a parenthetical, unsuccessful. <laughs> that's, how, that's how unsuccessful it was. Wikipedia broke character. <laughs> just just wow. abused the hell out of it. Um, <laughs> the show was supposed to obviously keep airing. Uh, the week after it got canceled uh what were they going to put on instead they had to panic because they, they just canceled their new so show. what they did was they decided to start the because it preceded like a weekly movie i guess uh and so the weekly movie was at nine they would have the here comes the brides and then mm. paid in place but it was off the air for a little bit so the mid-season was turned on and then after that was going to be the movie so they decided to start the movie a half hour earlier, uh, the movie that replaced Turn On. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember this. I, I the Oscar. The Oscar. Which is one of the a- worst movies itself. ever. It's one of the worst movies. It is a staggeringly bad motion picture uh, about uh, a, a guy who is uh, an aspiring actor and his dream is to win an Academy Award and he will lie, scheme, cheat. I don't know, maybe even kill just to get an Academy Award. Uh, and it's got so many fucking cameos. Like, yeah, tons like, of people are in this movie. In fact... Uh, one, one of the only times the uh, the late, great Tony Bennett, yep, who recently passed up. away, uh, one of the only times he acted. Yeah, he played his best friend mm. who's narrating the film and about uh, the guess, downfall of this I, guy. I should say one of the only times he acted and wasn't playing himself. Yeah, he played himself in a lot of things. He did a lot of cameos. But, like, yeah, he actually, like... There was a moment where maybe Tony Bennett's going to be an actor, and then he co-starred in the Oscar, and everyone's like, stick to singing, and he was like, cool. Um, yeah, so the Oscar replacing this is just really hilarious. Can you imagine, like, oh, thank God, 
We don't have to watch Turn On this week. Let's watch <laughs> the Oscar. Oscar. Oh, Jesus no. Christ, it's so bad. Um, so, like, even the time slot was cursed. Oh, yeah, it's just absolutely fucking miserable. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, after, after the Oscar, uh, the network scrambled to find a new replacement for it, because Peyton Place was actually going off the air. Uh, so they their solution... Uh, was to resurrect a, a show that had been on for a few years, then been canceled for a few years. They brought back the King Family Show. That's right, the King Singers. Uh, yeah. Or, or the King King Family Singers. Um, yeah. yeah. A very, very uh, large, mm. uh, 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 a very large family yeah. of uh, entertainers who would do Christmas specials and things. Uh, we, w- uh, One of our uh, dear friends in the industry, Alonzo Duralde, uh, film critic extraordinaire and a christmas expert he's literally written the book on christmas movies and he's written another book on he's christmas r- I was about movies to say he's, he's written the books on christmas yeah movies. he wrote that he wrote a book called have yourself a movie little christmas please buy it it's great uh which is a great overview of like every christmas movie made up until its publication um and then he collaborated uh on another book that was all about hallmark christmas movies and i actually have i'm actually like quoted in that one because I like did a yeah. podcast about like one of them so like my take on one of the movies is in there and that was nice he didn't have to include that mm-hmm. um but uh, I was he has Christmas parties or at least he did before the pandemic and uh one time I was at one of his Christmas parties and he had on the TV a King Family Christmas mm. and I was I, somehow the which, King which... Family had eluded me oh as, yeah. a, as a young person I, I really didn't know about that I, I was lucky that you yeah. know my mom was my my mom was born in 1950. Yeah. So she was a teenager in the mid 60s sure. and uh, so she was right on that cusp of when culture was changing so she got a yeah. good taste of like the square entertainment as well as the hippie yeah. entertainment. So I, I she said uh, at yeah. the time uh, at her high school talent shows there were two types of acts. There were the kids who danced to Tchaikovsky, mm-hmm. and they're the kids who dance to Age of Aquarius. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of the dividing line uh, as, as far as like where culture yeah. was in the mid '60s. Uh, but I will never forget. I asked because I didn't recognize it offhand, and I just rather than wait for a station break or something, I just asked Alonzo, what, "What what is? What are we watching?" And he said, "It's a it's a King Family Christmas special." And then he added as a bit of commentary, uh, "This is back." Uh, when counterculture had a culture to be counter to. Yes. Like, this is what counterculture was rejecting. Mm. This extremely uh, white, squ- Christian, square, safe. well-behaved. Yeah, yeah. Trying to keep the 50s going. Um, yeah. The, uh... I'm not sure how familiar you are, uh, you, William, or our listeners, with the Lawrence Welk show. Ooh. Um... <clears throat> Lawrence Welk was a punchline of my whole life. Same. People talked about the Lawrence Welk show as being like the most embarrassing thing that white people ever produced as a, a non-culture. <laughs> and I, I also knew about the, uh, the Lawrence Welk show because they broadcast from downtown Santa Monica, which is where I was born. I, I, Santa Monica is my hometown uh, at the Aragon Ballroom. And... I remember flipping through like uh, KCET, like one of the public... Uh, public television stations when I was a teenager. I was in high school already. Mm. I heard so much about the Lawrence Welk show. I knew the 50s and 60s from like just what had leaked down to me through popular culture and popular music. I knew the 60s as the hippie time. And so the Lawrence Welk show came on. I said, hey, mom, we have to watch the Lawrence Welk show. I need to know what What is what was going on. Yeah. What were the grownups watching at home? What's the reference? While the kids were doing cool stuff. Yeah. And I got 
maybe 12 minutes into an episode <laughs> of the Lawrence Welk show before I had to turn it off. It is the squarest, whitest, most mind-numbingly bland entertainment. Yes, we're going to have three, or I guess it's Lawrence Wolf. We're going to have our three singers coming out, and they're going to sing uh, you know, these three three young chaps from college. It's like the Dover Boys from Pimento U. They're, yeah. They're, like, square guys in the Letterman like, sweater vests. And they're, they're singing re- a cappella and, and they're or really shit. fucking oily. And, <laughs> and they're singing, yes, I'm going to hold hands with my baby. And I'm like, can the Beatles just show up, please? <laughs> change this. Maybe that's why I'd get into Turn On, because I've seen Lawrence Welk. Yeah, I you knew know what they were trying you, to kill. If you were, if those were your options. Because again, after this, you can flip the channel and see a new Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. That's, it, the, the whiplash could kill you. <laughs> like, it's absolutely incredible. Um, a few more bits of information here. Uh, and again, hard to say how true this is, but I'm pretty sure this one's true. Um, even though the show tanked in record time. George Slatter was still a big, successful uh, uh, producer, and uh, ABC didn't want to burn any bridges. So the the allegedly the deal was struck that even though they had ordered sixteen episodes, they would pay him for all sixteen episodes if he agreed that the two shows they had finished never got played again, <laughs> ever. I hope. The deal was struck with the other people who worked on the show because, come on, that's not that's not no, fair. But as I, we record I, this, we're still in the midst of a, yeah. a prolonged actors and writers strike. Yeah. And so the idea of getting those writers what they deserve, deserve. yeah, they put the effort in. They deserve that. They deserve the same deal. If you're going to offer a deal, everyone should get the same deal. Um, and uh, apparently, ABC got really gun shy about doing. Uh, uh, scandalous, risque, body, mm. raunchy, controversial material, so much so that uh, allegedly, because of the failure of this show, when they were offered a Norman Lear show about a dad who was an asshole, mm. they said no. And so All in the Family went to another network. So that happened, apparently. Um, mistakes were made by a lot of people. A lot of people. Um, anyway, that's Turn On. Uh, it, it is, it is wor- definitely worth seeing. Oh, it's absolutely... Again, again, some of the... Again, if you've no taste for... We've talked about some of the controversial jokes on it. If you have no taste for that, you're not interested, totally get it. If you're just fascinated by it as a relic or you just want to see just how strange it is... Or if you can handle those, you know, very offensive jokes. Mm. Uh, see it while it's on YouTube while you can. Uh, hopefully it'll stay and no one actually still cares. Uh, God knows ABC isn't making any money off of it. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, seek it out. Totally worth it. Uh, the question we have to ask ourselves, and we haven't been able to ask this question in a while. <laughs> Whitney. Yes. Was Turn On canceled too soon? No. I, I don't want more of this. Oh, really? Um, okay. As as fascinated as I am by mm-hmm. this, um, it, it's not there. It's too mm. odd. Uh, it there's there's ideas here that they haven't refined into like a proper pointed media deconstruction. They kind mm. of did that by accident. 
which I love, mm-hmm. and I'm really fascinated by this, and uh, I, I'm glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. And there were there were some laughs in there, but their goal was to be a comedy show, mm-hmm. and as a comedy show, it fails. Yeah, it's not a great comedy show, but as a, a snapshot of a time mm-hmm. and as a media study, it is fascinating. Yeah, if they sold it as a media deconstruction, mm-hmm. as they said, this is like the show to end all shows this is the anti-show yeah this and, will this will obliterate they, tv yeah like if if that was their <laughs> if that was their stated goal if that was their yeah. thesis like monty python we're gonna yeah. just rip everything apart on purpose mm. and we're gonna tell you the audience that that's what we're doing it would have played a lot better but mm. again they did that by accident yeah they're interested in that but they're also interested in making a comedy show and i think it is neither fish nor fowl mm. so no i don't think that i <clears throat> I don't think this was canceled too soon. Yeah. Um, before I give my answer, I'm going to... Uh, the, the There's a quote I thought about a lot mm-hmm. while I was watching uh, Turn On. And it's not, in the, it's not in the show. It's a separate thing. It's a quote from Hunter S. Thompson, yeah. uh, who wrote, uh, One of God's own prototypes, a high-powered mutant of some kind, never even considered for mass production, <laughs> too weird to live, and too, too rare, rare to, to die. die. Yeah. And that's turn on. Huh. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think it was canceled too soon. Uh, I, I do wish we'd... I wish we'd maybe gotten a little more of it. Like, at least a second episode aired and maybe mm. whatever. Like, I, if there had been more of it, I would have been interested to see I would love how to they could have kept it going. If, but, if they hadn't put the monkeys on this, then yeah, sure. that, that's the one I want to see. Like, say. if they'd made more of it, I would have been interested to see it. So, it, it, arguably canceled too soon but i can't imagine this going on very long mm. in 1969 there's no way if, yeah. again if this had aired on adult swim in 2000 with very little changes mm. probably would have done reasonably well god knows it looks pretty cheap if you get the right yeah. actors for it well, uh, they could have they could have they could have done it it's no, tim compared and eric. it to tim and eric yeah and it, tim this and is eric tim and eric then. before tim and eric but uh, it's yeah. also tim and eric knew what they were doing and i think yeah, it's, it's, turn on is, is figuring it out as it goes this is tim and eric this yeah. is neil hamburger this yeah. is uh, wonder shows and one of those shows that's like just really out on the edge of comedy yeah uh Thing is, Tim and Eric, Wonder Shows, and uh, Neil Hamburger, like they have a shtick, and I yeah. feel like Turn On didn't quite have it refined yet. Yeah, uh, but in any case, that's canceled too soon. Thank you, well, everybody, for listening. Welcome back. Uh, we don't know if, if or when we'll be able to get to another one uh, anytime soon. It, it warms my heart how often we're asked when is canceled too soon coming back. Yeah. Uh, and again, the main reason is we don't want to just do failed pilots, which is probably all we really have the time to do on any kind of regular level. Because that's part of it, but we really like to also delve into longer shows that actually mm. had a run and really get into the nitty gritty of it. So this isn't canceled too soon coming back with a vengeance. But this is also us saying... It's not gone, mm. and we might bring it back for the occasional special. Like, think of it this way. Doctor Who didn't end in the early 90s. We did get that TV movie with Paul McGann, uh-huh. which was canon. And that's this episode. <laughs> this is and the, there might be more radio... This, radi- is, the, this yeah. is the Paul McGann Doctor if, Who. If we do some more, like it continued in the radio shows, we might do a few more here and there, but we'll let you know we'll get, we'll, when the time yeah, comes we'll, we'll to bring it back. When, and, we'll do them when we can, and we're still interested yeah. in doing that. Yeah, so. when, when the right thing comes along, and we're like, okay, well, we gotta do this. We'll do it. But right now, it cannot be part of the regular rotation, just for practical reasons. Yeah. But thank you everybody who asked for it. Thank you everybody who still asks. We love it too. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's not dead. It just, it's, it's sleeping 
a bit, and mm. we woke it up to, to for, Ta- for special about occasion. This, this uh, notoriously canceled too soon yeah. TV series that is so, finally available to us. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you to everybody who put this online. It brought it to our attention. Bless you, yeah, and who brought it to our attention because I, I hadn't heard about it. A couple of our fans brought this to our yeah. attention, so we want to give credit to them. Hugely, hugely thankful for you. Uh, uh, we don't know if you want to be credited on the air, so we won't give your name just in case you don't. But thank you. Uh, you know who you are. Um, and um, yeah, if you want to talk about the show, do you, do you remember watching ten minutes of the show in 1969? I know yeah. we have some listeners who were who were watching TV at the time, so I'd be very yeah. curious if you did, or if you remember the the backlash. Or, uh, or if you somehow got it by some other means yeah. in the intervening years, like how did you see it? I'd love, yeah. we'd love to hear all the stories you have about Turn On. Always do. So uh, our email address is letters at critically acclaimed dot net. Uh, we might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. Whitney, what is our PO box? Yeah, send us a physical letter to the critically acclaimed network, PO Box six four one five six five, Los Angeles, California nine double zero six four. We've we've been doing We've Got Mail maybe a little bit more like every other week lately, but because of some traveling and stuff like that, we're a little behind. We'll get back to that show I, very. very I, I, was, soon. I was out of town. I apologize. Yeah, you know, we'll, we if if this if it wasn't so late, we'd be doing that episode right now. We'll we'll get to it soon. Um, but uh, yeah, we're also on the social medias. I'm at William Debiani, pretty much everywhere. He's at Whitney Seibold, pretty mm-hmm. much everywhere. On, I'm just going to call it Twitter. We're it's st- it's at still critic- called Twitter. Yeah, at, we're at critic until I update my app. You know what? It's still Twitter on the Apple Store uh-huh. because Apple doesn't allow apps with only one letter names. Also, uh, another company registered that domain name, yes. so uh, he can't legally change it. All, all he can do is like. Put public eyesores on top of the building. Mm, with strobe lights aimed at rent control departments. Yeah. Great. Anyway, whole thing. Uh, but yeah, seriously, thank you once again. Uh, oh, and uh, thank you to all of our patrons, without whom this show would not exist. Uh, you can find us on patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have a lot of exclusive shows over there, uh, including uh, our whole back catalog. Shows like we already mentioned on the show, not on Disney+. Plus. That's there. You can just search for it. Uh, we've got uh, Holy Batman. We reviewed every episode of the 1960s Batman if you want more 1960s TV stuff. Uh, we've got uh, uh, All Our Yesterdays. We review every episode of Star Trek in Order. Only the best. Every Best Picture nominee ever. We're reviewing it. Uh, Patreon.com slash critically acclaimed is the way to go. And that's where mm-hmm. that would be. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Thank you.